Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Welcome to STEM Unplugged, a monthly podcast designed to help you learn about STEM initiatives and advance STEM awareness. I am your host of the show, Kelly Green, the Chief Operations Officer of SciTech Institute, a collaborative nonprofit organization making STEM connections in Arizona and beyond. In the studio, I have my co-host, Chief Science Officer of the Year, Shalai. Hello, everyone. I'm very excited for our discussion tonight. In this episode of STEM Unplugged, we will be exploring community partnerships. Our guests today include Leanne Schaefer from Boeing, Eric Miller from PADT, and Caillou Pena, a CSO alumni. So, Eric, we know that PADT is the Southwest's leading provider of products and services for mechanical engineering, Can you introduce yourself to our listeners and explain that a little bit? Yeah. So I'm a mechanical engineer turned business owner. About 26 years ago, we were working at what's now Honeywell Engines and uh, uh, was Garrett back in the day doing turbine engine engineering, which we always like to say. Decided to take that technology and build a business around it. And so we do kind of advanced aerospace engineering for everything from little toys to rockets and everything in between. And we're about 85 folks based here in Tempe with offices across the Southwest. Probably what most people know us for is we're the distributor for ANSYS, which is a simulation product for the Southwest, as well as for Stratasys, which is the largest uh, 3D printing uh, producer in the world. And so we represent both those uh, leading products here, and that's what most companies know us for. And we do consulting as well, and it's a lot of fun, and we get to work on everything, which is the best part of our, our job. That's awesome. We also have Leanne, and we know that Boeing is doing a lot to further the Arizona Advanced Manufacturing Pipeline. Can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit what's going on at Boeing? Sure. So I lead the corporate social responsibility here in Arizona for Boeing. If you ever get a chance to go out to Northeast Mesa, you might have an opportunity to see an Apache flying overhead. That's one of the primary products that we actually build out there, along with um, many other things. But that's what we're most known for here in Arizona. And so I'm excited to be here today to talk about STEM workforce pipelines, especially in advanced manufacturing. Awesome. Thank you. So we're talking a little bit about effective community partnerships. And Eric, and actually, Leanne, I know you've both known Dr. Babinger for years. He's our executive director. Can you tell us a little bit about that community partnership and then that relationship, how it's benefited not only PADT, but the SciTech Institute? Yeah, so when he started up the what's now the SciTech Institute, he showed up in our office and said, we're going to do this crazy thing where we're going to have this festival and we're going to have all these people put on these shows and open houses and tutorials and things like that. And they're all going to volunteer their time. And I kind of looked at them and said, yeah, right, sure. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> By the end of the conversation, he had convinced us to be one of the first people to do that. Uh, and we've been doing it ever since, uh, every year except for one. And it's a fantastic, what I love about the SciTech Institute now, what they call it now, is that it is a way for us to concentrate our efforts. Mm-hmm. So we could be working with five different organizations but by working with SciTech's more of a, I think of it more of a platform for us to interact with people and less, less of a specific. So whatever I want to do, they can help us introduce us to people, get us in front of the right uh, schools, talk over our different programs, what we want to do, and, and really be that conduit for bringing everybody together in the community. 
and things like the CSO program, which I'm a huge backer and fan of. We used to always 3D print the awards every year for the SciTech Festival as well, which has always been fun. So it's been a, it's been a really efficient way, and we're engineers, so we love efficiency Absolutely. to interact with the STEM uh, community and help promote uh, kids to get into the, the kind of stuff we like to do. What about you, Leanne? Well, I'll say when I moved here to Arizona about six years ago, um, this is prior to me uh, joining Boeing, when I would go to STEM events or uh, try to learn more about what's going on in the STEM community, I kept bumping into Dr. Bevinger. So that told me right away that he was a very connected individual and um, you know, getting to know him, the SciTech Institute, as well as um, I've worked with the Chief Science Officer Program from the very beginning and being able to see that grow is very exciting and to see you know, the Chief Science Officers that we have here today um, and what they're doing, that's just phenomenal. They're pretty pretty awesome, these they two. They are pretty awesome. Not, not allowed to have favorites. You know, as a school teacher, I wasn't allowed to have favorites. But now as the director of the program, it's it really has blossomed. And I think the most important part of that is the community partnerships that have allowed us to engage with the students in a way that not necessarily is happening in the classroom. What are your thoughts about the way that um, we've had the opportunity to engage? Kai, you didn't really have you introduce yourself. So tell us a little bit about why you're here and how the community partnerships impacted your opportunities as CSO. Absolutely. So as an alumni of the Chief Science Officer Program, I really got to see how community partnerships um, led to like my development of deciding like what I want to do in college. And now that I'm studying at Carnegie Mellon, um, I'm studying international relations. And it's truly the community partnerships that I was able to experience during the Chief Science Officer Program that really got me into that. Um, and I was really interested in politics and STEM, but I never really knew I could mesh them. Um, so one of the trips that I really loved that we went on as, during the, my time as a chief science officer was going to DC and we got to tour Google's DC headquarters and their blending of politics and technology I thought was really interesting. It was one of the main reasons that I ended up pursuing this field specifically at Carnegie Mellon. Um, and you know, one of the hardest things for students to decide going into college is to what to study. And, you know, having those community partnerships, you know, seeing what you can do in the real world after college after high school, I think is really exciting and definitely one of the benefits of having so many community partnerships. We often talk, I know Shalay brings it up um, on a few of our podcasts so far, is that the day in the life, what does it look like for a day in the life? I mean, now, Caillou, you can talk to the CSOs about the day in the life of a college student, but so at Boeing, right, you have a different op, different variety of manufacturing opportunities. What What is available here? You mentioned the Apache helicopter, which you know, I'm mm-hmm. Army veteran, so it's, you know, rests very specifically in my heart. <laughs> but um, what kind of things can student, students or individuals in the community expect when they interact with Boeing? Sure. So, um, you know, we've really grown a lot in the last couple of years. We have over 4,600 employees now. And so some of that has, um, well, a big part of that is advanced manufacturing, but some of that is more the, the corporate jobs. We've got supply chain um, global security uh, operations, as well as HR. So a lot of different variety of, of roles. And of course, all supporting as a, we're a manufacturing company, right? Um, so that's just really exciting. You know, you think about the engineers. Um, we have a lot of employees who really like to get out in the community, to get involved, to volunteer. Um, and so it's it's exciting to, to be a part of that and to help make those connections. Um, and I get to see a lot of, you know, who's, who's looking for opportunities and to help make that. I heard that you two had 
your companies actually have a nice, neat relationship. Yeah. So Boeing, well, yeah, it's a very nice relationship for us. Boeing's been a fantastic customer of ours since we started the company. Uh, they're one of our first customers, and they're uh, early adopter of advanced, man- what we now call advanced manufacturing. We've had all these different terms through the years, but um, you know they've been using 3D printing as a way to make components for the Apache before most people even thought about doing more than prototyping with the technology. So they are a real trendsetter that way and are constantly looking at new ways to apply new technologies to, I mean, they've got a very significant mission of providing readiness for the warfighter, right? Mm -hmm. That helicopter has to take off, it has to fly, it can't go down, and there's people's lives at stake. So um, applying this new technology to fulfill that role um, is, we've really enjoyed helping them with that through through the decades now. So for the listeners, what is that definition of advanced manufacturing? It's a little, it's it's changed, right? We talked to um, ACA, we've talked to a variety of different people. And what does it really mean to you? What would be your definition, Eric? Advanced manufacturing is manufacturing that's advanced. Right? <laughs> Beyond where it used to be. Perfect. Nailed yeah. it. End show. End show. Done. So, so the, the, the way I look at it is it is... So manufacturing is making things. So taking raw materials and shaping it into an end product, right? So we've been pretty much since the Industrial Revolution using the same tools, maybe automating them a little bit, but pretty much the same technologies for a good 300 years. So in the last 50 years or so, we've done what we, what we now call advanced manufacturing, which is pretty much saying, instead of having a person in the loop, let's automate the whole thing and let's bring multiple ways of doing things into as many machines as we can as one thing. So one version of advanced manufacturing may be a a machine that cuts and welds and glues all in one machine with a program. Or it may be 3D printing. That's the one that most people hear about and think about. That's a form of advanced manufacturing. It may be assembly that takes little teeny parts and puts them together and then solders them together using robots instead of a human being. So it's, it's really a more efficient, more capable, more accurate way of making that final product. And it's a, the days of a, you know, when we talk about traditional manufacturing, it's, it's a guy sitting in a, in a room, pulling down on a lever, uh, making a drill go down into, into a piece of metal, right? That's, that's now that person is servicing a robot and maintaining the robot and making sure the robot's working. So it's, it's shifted completely to a less manual process. So, Leanne, uh, I personally have had some first-hand, first-hand experience with uh, Boeing's partnership with the Chief Science Officer Program, and I really appreciate it. I've been lucky, lucky enough to experience a few panels with Boeing. And so I'm curious as to some other significant partnerships that Boeing has uh, and that you've had in your professional career that have really been a, had a huge impact Sure, Shelley. So I'd say um, some of the big partnerships that have been really important for us is really in the education space. Um, specifically, his, for many years, we've um, partnered with Mesa Public Schools. They're right there in our backyard, right? Um, as well as Mesa Community College. And one of the things that's worked really well, and I know you had Leah Palmer from Mesa Community College on last month, is um, we have a partnership where we have a boot camp with them. And so uh, students go I think it's nine days, um, it's a class, and then they come out and they have the opportunity, they're eligible to be interviewed by Boeing, and then they come in and, into our electrical wiring center. So that's one example of how that partnership is just really important for us because we need people, and our education system is what helps supply those skills. Um, and so it's really important for us to invest in those areas. Um, and uh, yeah, those are a couple examples that have been really beneficial. 
I think that's a key component of what we're doing here at SciTech Institute. You mentioned the Arizona SciTech Festival. It's mm-hmm. grown. We're in the ninth season. We mm-hmm. still have a couple of weeks left. So depending on what's happening with um, the current health situation, right, be take good care of yourself. But we're really excited that partnership with you, both of you and Dr. Babinger creating that festival and then now manifesting into the CSO program. Five years in, we've got Chalet, we've got Caillou, we've got over 800 students worldwide participating, which I kind of want to piggyback off make taking your raw materials mm-hmm. and creating a product. Yeah. I've had the firsthand experience of watching these students interact with STEM professionals and really see themselves becoming that product. So it's really nice about those community relationships because it does start in the education system. So what types of programs or what kind of outreach or opportunities have either of you had of really interacting not only with the 6th through 12th graders or maybe high schools, but really thinking about those kindergartners and really getting them making and tinkering and you know hands-on manufacturing <laughs> Yeah, so we haven't done much with kindergartners. Um, <laughs> it's not. It's not. Uh, I tried when my kids were that young, and I was told that I was way over their heads. So don't come back. Uh, <laughs> so we disagree. We'll put you back in there. <laughs> Next time, I'll just bring Legos and say play. Um, I, I think that uh, the the big thing that we do from an outreach standpoint that I think is the most effective is just tours for for Absolutely. those kids uh, when they're. When they're old enough to get what we're showing them to, so we're we're able to open up our doors maybe more than some of the larger companies that have security issues or safety issues. So we're you know we're only eighty five folks and we do have a lot of equipment, but for a small company, but it's all pretty compact and we can show kids around and show them what we do with the equipment. So it's a it's a great way to kind of get that that spark going. And I like to do it because that's why I'm an engineer. My dad was in the Air Force. He took me out to. He wanted me to become a fighter pilot like him, so he took me to show me the airplanes. And all I remember was the guys that took apart the engine and put them back together mm-hmm. again. That's that's what I want to do. Is that's a cool machine? I want to work on those. So um, that kind of exposure, you never know where it leads, but it's a really powerful tool to get people interested. And and I always say, if there's if there's 20 kids, if if we reach one of them that Absolutely. otherwise would not have chosen a STEM career, then it was a successful trip. I agree. Mm-hmm. And I even toured your facility with mm-hmm. the. Um, Vertical Flight Society, yeah. and we had our meeting there, mm-hmm. and I was stunned at what you know mach- your machines were doing. And so, opening it up for not just the education sector, but allowing parents to mm-hmm. understand and see what their students are experiencing, because not every parent has ever looked at a 3D printer or what a 3D printer could create. So, really, those community outreach events are really important for not only you know the older generation understanding. Mm-hmm. Things are changing and things, people are not necessarily in a career for 20 years nowadays. They, the path might change. So having those skills are really important. What about you, Caillou? Did you visit any cool places that you're like, oh, well, you mentioned DC. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, all the different places I was able to visit as a chief science officer, you know, really taught me like one thing. And it's that every major or every career is a STEM career. In the society that we live in today, you know, technology is all around us. Whether it's in advanced manufacturing or really any other field, it's really exciting to get that STEM exposure. So no matter whether that student, you know, goes directly into advanced manufacturing in your company or um, whether they take a different route, they're going to be, you know, um, technology aware and, you know, um, technology literate, which I think is really, really important to today's society. Oh, and I'll just add that um, I think 
mentors and role models are just really key, whether you're a kindergartner, you're in high school, or even if you're in college, um, and honestly, even in the workforce, right? Absolutely. Anywhere, wherever you're at. (laughs) Here's my mentor. (laughs) So, um, you know, from Boeing's perspective, uh, we really rely a lot on our employees to go out in the community and we provide kits. Um, We actually have, if you go to Boeing Future U, the letter U.com, we have a lot of videos on space and um, kits for employees to take out to their own students' classrooms. Um, it's hard for me to to go and do all of those, but um, really trying to activate our employee base to do that. We do have some tours, but as Eric mentioned, it's a little harder for us to do that. But also, you know, we support first robotics. We have a lot of employees that do that. So I think it's just really important to to get out there and you know share what you love. Um, that's what kids really see. They connect with that. Can you share one of those times when you felt like, wow, this was an amazing experience for you? Maybe if you think back to your 14-year-old self or 16-year-old self, you've mentioned going out and seeing the flight line and seeing the the fighter jets. What What's one for you, Leanne, that really said, I want to reach out and be a community outreach coordinator? What is your actual title? <laughs> <laughs> community investor. Community well, investor. so it's interesting. So my, my story is a little different. Um, I grew up on a farm in Me rural too. Illinois. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I think um, stems all around, right? But for me, I actually was a first time uh, college student and I was looking for something and I didn't really know what I wanted to do. But I found um, in my community college, they had a computer science program Interestingly enough, there was a community scholar program where I did a lot of community service and then my tuition was waived. And um, so I didn't necessarily have someone in my life. It was me just, I know I want to do something and I like computers. Um, But I had a, uh, through that program, I had an advisor who pulled me aside and said, you know, you really need to go into four-year for this. Um, And that really, you know, I did. um, And that made a difference. And then it came full circle. So I went into um, a software engineer for about 10 years, uh, did a lot of workforce with IT, and then full circle, here I am doing community again from the other side. And so that's that's a big part of why I, I do what I do, because um, I think it's important for for students to have someone to, to help them along the way, because I was pretty lost initially. Mm-hmm. I think it was interesting that you said that opportunity at the college that you could give back to the community and then you're, mm-hmm. it was like scholarship or the opportunity that was paid for. I That's incredible. I, yeah. I mean, what a great opportunity. Yeah, so I want to touch on mentorship again real quick. Mm-hmm. So I know that through the CSO program, I've definitely had a lot of amazing mentors and they've helped me grow to be where I am today and have also inspired me to mentor some incoming CSOs and the uh, children that I'm interacting with in the action plans. And so, uh, Leanne, you kind of touched on this already, but Eric, did you have any mentors when you were younger that impacted where you are today? Well, it'd be my grandfather, actually. I was lucky. Uh, my grandfather was a, wanted to be an engineer and, and being the child of immigrants was forced to become a doctor which is a horrible thing to happen, right? <laughs> right? So he was a very successful pathologist, but he always wanted to be an inventor and an engineer. And so he, he did invent, like invented uh, the technology behind most pool cleaners today um, and, and patented that. And so I was really lucky to have this uh, person in my life, and I lived with them, uh, my grandparents, for quite a while, that showed me the, the fun of invention and creativity that you know this whole STEM thing can be a creative process. Um, that that was definitely the first one, and the second one was actually my speech teacher in uh, in high school. 
not a technical person, technical person at all. But she, uh, as I as I stumble over the words, she taught me how to speak good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> she, if you're listening, we appreciate you. <laughs> yeah. Roger Wilcox. She helped me go beyond what I thought I was capable of doing. Wow. Um, and you know, you, you just you have to you have to step out and do that. And I'm just thankful for you know, of course both of them uh, doing that, and and uh, it, it made all the difference in the world. Yeah. I was going to share, um, if I pull back the layers just a little bit more, Mm -hmm. growing up, I did not like math or science. Um, I thought I wasn't good at it. And then in junior high, I did have a math teacher. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what she did. I I really don't know what it was, but I just fell in love with math, with algebra. Mm -hmm. And um, and that's where my confidence came to say, yeah, I can do computers and I can get into technology. So You want to give her a shout out? (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's been so long, but like, it's just honestly, it's it's interesting how, you know, we hear a lot about how women and girls don't have that confidence in themselves, but having mentors and having people help you is, is important. I think paying attention too, right? I think the teacher role, which is really good that we're talking about those community partnerships. So the teachers want their students to be successful and having been a teacher knowing that all of them have something special inside of them and you know maybe they're not really sure what it is but building their confidence or helping them explore safely is something that we really want um the festival to be an opportunity right to have different companies different communities open their doors and say here's what we offer come check it out if it's for you let's talk let's you know build that partnership together but um really allowing those businesses what would you say to another business that's looking, you know, maybe to get over that initial hump of letting somebody open the door and come on in and check out what's behind the scenes? I think the big thing is they, a lot of companies want to make it perfect. Right. Like, like I want to have this fantastic program and there's a maze and there's a, you know, there's a, no, just open your doors. Um, yeah. The other thing is um, that we found very successful is have, um, People speaking that are representative of the people you're trying to reach. So having yet another middle-aged white guy talk about how you should be an engineer doesn't really help a Hispanic young girl, right? right. That's that's I'm not what she sees in her future. So get, if I can get one of my engineers who's a Hispanic female to do that that speech, it's totally different vibe. And so try and leverage that. I highly recommend that. And and just. Kids are sponges. You'd be amazed. Um, they come in not really paying attention and kind of on their phones, and you start talking, and by the end of it, their phones are out, and they're asking you questions you never thought that they would ask. And um, you just got to engage with them. You Stop trying to make it perfect. Stop trying to have, like, kits and things, and that's great stuff. But if you just, just open your doors and let people in and let your engineers talk, especially if they can represent something that the kids can relate to. I have a new idea for a program. We have mentor companies who mentor brand new companies <laughs> who want to start a festival. I think that's yeah. I think that's a new niche. <laughs> Great way to build. Yeah. And I'll I'll just kind of piggyback mm-hmm. on what um, Eric was saying. Maybe if a company can't open their door, right? Um, you have some example, secrets you're not allowed to yeah. show off. I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, I know last year we had uh, Boeing. We had our inaugural um, STEM signing day. And um, we did have some speakers. And I will say the, the person that really connected, and, and Caillou is here, but the person that um, really connected the most was a, a young female engineer. I think she was two months on the job. Mm-hmm. And she shared a lot about her journey and the struggles that she had to overcome. And I, I feel like those are the stories that people um, connect, you know, uh, probably more so than maybe someone that's been in their career for 20, 30 years, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know, Caillou, you can kind of maybe share a little bit about your experience with that. But um, 
I think keeping that in front is is tapping into the yeah. the um, the newer generation that's working. Absolutely. Um, just like talking off of that, the Boeing STEM signing day was just absolutely incredible. So if you don't know what it is exactly, um, I'm sure Leanne will explain it a little bit more later. But basically, you know, you're recognizing students who chose to, you know, take a path within the STEM field, um, which is incredibly important. Um, you know, we have signing days for athletics, um, but we need to represent those who are, you know, going into STEM fields just as much. Um, and, you know, just getting that recognition um, was just truly empowering um, from Boeing. And it was really exciting, especially to meet all the Boeing employees, you know, hear their different stories, and but also all the students I was with, you know, to connect stories. Um, you know, I still keep in touch with a lot of the people I met there, and I, it was a great event. That's great to hear. Thank you, Caillou. Yeah, so I'll just uh, share this year um, STEM Signing Day is April 17th um, mm-hmm. at the Arizona Science Center, and we are partnering with the SciTech. So thank you, SciTech, for no helping problem. us out. We're excited. <laughs> <laughs> the application's actually on the website um, under events. And um, so this year, like I said, it'll be at the uh, Science Center, and Caillou mentioned for high school seniors that are interested in a STEM career, it doesn't necessarily have to be a four-year college that they're going to. Um, definitely uh, recognize that for, there's a lot of different paths. Could be a two-year program or a trade school. But just knowing that STEM is the career that they want to pursue. And so we'll be selecting 30 individuals um, that apply from across the state. And then this year, we are adding a, a potential tour at Boeing afterwards. Ooh. So pretty excited. So. I wasn't going to bring it up, but I saw the pictures from the Boeing STEM signing day in Texas. And boy, was that grandiose. So I, I think we, Everything's uh, bigger in Texas. Everything is bigger in Texas. And our CSOs in Texas mm-hmm. had the opportunity to, they had an airplane park there. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, we need, we're going to talk. Up our game here. Yeah, yeah we got to up our game. Get us out, get an Apache. Oh, yeah, right there. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think that it's pretty exciting to think about the different pathways. So when you consider all of the ways that students can enter a STEM career or even the next, um, the generation just after, right? So, Caillou, you mentioned those college students, not really sure where they want to go, what they're doing. I'm from the veteran community. So after service, what are they looking to do? Can we talk a little bit about what are those opportunities for others maybe seeking new career paths and what you have op- um, available at your uh, location? So where where can other people fit in, not just those high school? We definitely want to, you know, pave the pathway and let them know what they need to achieve to be able to, ha- you know, work well in your facilities. But what are what about the people looking for a change or, you know, maybe he wanted to be an inventor. You mentioned yeah. your grandpa. Your grandpa. Yeah. So what if he decided at 35, you know what? I'm no longer going to pull the lever and push the button. Mm-hmm. Maybe I really want to build and create. Yeah, I mean, what's nice is we have a lot of new options out there. It's not just a four-year degree. Uh, we have a fantastic community college system here in the state. Uh, I think it's often overlooked because we have such good universities as well. Right. But um, you know, there's so many ways to get your feet wet into these new technologies, and there's so many different ways you can play in the STEM world. So, you know, you don't have to be, take calculus and be a mechanical engineer. You right. don't have to go through, you know, five years of coding uh, training to, to write, you know, machine level code. You can go to a coding academy. You can um, you can go to the community college and learn how to run uh, 3D printers. Uh, we, in fact, we need those people desperately. Um, there's there's just job a lot. Plug, of, job plug. Job plug. Yeah. <laughs> I got an opening right now. Um, so there, there's just a lot of uh, opportunities out there. I'm a big believer in internships as well. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can if you can get into a company, uh, the bigger the better. 
but even a small company and just get exposure. What do you, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, I got lucky and then I landed someplace that I enjoyed what I was doing. But um, that internship that I did at Lockheed uh, when I was in college really set the pace for um, the end of my college career. So I was kind of floundering. Do I want to write code? Do I want to do design? What do I want to do? And I did design uh, for a summer and I fell in love with it. It was nice. the ability for me to be creative and do, you know, kind of mathy type stuff, and um, <clears throat> it was a great experience. So I'm a, I highly encourage companies to do as much internships as they can, um, and then use the kids when you have an internship. I know I don't know if you guys have done any yet, but sometimes they just sit you in front of a bunch of manuals and, <laughs> and you get to read them. Caillou uh, definitely served as an intern before he left for Carnegie Mellon. Sure did. <laughs> so, you know, whatever it is, just get them involved and get them exposed so they can help make an informed decision of what they want to do and what classes, those upper division classes they want to take or graduate school. It's a, it's a great opportunity. So you mentioned veterans, and that's something that's uh, definitely very important for us at Boeing. Um, we've been working with the SkillBridge program as veterans are, or service members are transitioning out, and that's really important. We have probably about 20% um, at our site, so that's a big part of the work that I do as well. And then echoing what Eric had mentioned about community colleges, um, here in Arizona, we have a great community college system, especially for advanced manufacturing um, between the Maricopa Community Colleges, Central Arizona, and Pima Community College. They've partnered together on a joint manufacturing curriculum, and that's really exciting for us, Um, as well as NAU has uh, supported that by offering additional coursework so that students can receive their bachelor's degree. So that's, you know, a really strong thing that we see. Um, I'd also mention that um, at Boeing, we have a learning together program. So once you become employed, you know, if you come into maybe a more entry level mm-hmm. role, then, and a lot of companies have this, that they'll will help, you know, pay for some of that college education. So that's always an option. Um, and to me growing, again, my, my farming background being very conservative <laughs> fiscally, um, that's, that's, you know, always an option that I, I think a lot of students, you know, maybe feel this push and I don't know, Chalet, Caillou, you can kind of tell me, is there a big push to like, you must go to, you know, for your university. It doesn't necessarily need to be that way. Yeah. And I think that there definitely is that push, you know, there are even programs uh, in place at school there's a lot of focus on on college readiness, you know, and it's uh, it's all about either going into a community college or going to a public university and uh, just getting that college degree, which again isn't for everyone. And we talked about this a little bit on mm-hmm. on uh, last month's episode, but I think that's something that's really important about community outreach is just making sure that students are aware of the different possibilities, the different opportunities that are available, that they can go into a manufacturing career and don't necessarily need uh, a college degree, that they can, there, there are so many, so many possibilities. Mm-hmm. And I don't really think that is apparent in high school. I'm a, I'm a freshman in high school. And from what I've been exposed to so far, there, there's been no, none at all of the exposing us to opportunities besides college all of the programs that we do, everything it has to do with going to college. And so I definitely think there is kind of a missing link and a lack of that in the field. And I don't know, if, Eric, if you work with um, like the career and technical education programs in some of the schools, but yeah, there's yeah, some really bit. strong ones yeah. out there too. There, there are, it, it, I mean, 
get on my pedestal and I brought this up before is the problem with education in Arizona isn't that we have bad education. It's that we have some of the best in the country and some of the worst in the country. And it's so unevenly distributed. Some schools have fantastic career uh, and and uh, opportunities to get people where they really should go, where the kids really should go. Other schools there's an overworked counselor dealing with 5,000 kids, mm-hmm. right? And they become so, behavior yeah. counselors. And become instead. counselors yeah, yeah. instead of that. So, you know, if I can make a plug from a bigger picture and something that the tech council really advocates for is to, we got to spread that out more. We got to take what we're doing in these schools that are fantastic, like the program you talked about, and make them available to the kids that actually need them. Absolutely. Like my, my, my son goes to a really good high school and he has access to all that. He doesn't need it, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's the kids that don't grow up in a family like mine that, that need it. So, you know, I, th- I think that that's a, a little bit of a plug there, but um, <clears throat> there's a. I think there's a there's a misconception that you've got to be, you know, a, a scientist to go into STEM. Mm-hmm. And there's like you were talking about going to poli sci and doing STEM. I mean, that's really important. Policy is such an important part of technology and and becoming as technology is taking over our world, an extremely important part Absolutely. of our world. I think mm-hmm. so. So you don't have to. Go and be that person that sits behind the computer or that runs the machine. You can be the the person that 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 markets it, or you can be the person that helps figure out the quality system. I mean, you may be the kind of person that organizes all your shoes in your garage in your uh, closet perfectly every morning. A career in quality is for you, <laughs> and we need more quality people. There's so much you can do in tech, and I think people get. I think you're exactly right. Uh, the schools are really judged on how many four-year degree people they push out. Absolutely. Um, and you get what you measure. And we should be measuring how many kids go into some of these other uh, paths when they graduate. So, I think there's a little bit of a mind shift. We talked a little bit about apprenticeship and internship mm-hmm. before. And the idea that you know, 30 years ago, 50 years ago, apprenticeship was respected. Whereas now it is that strong push. You know, when I was in school, it was go to college, go to college, go to college. Mm -hmm. When I went in the military and college, it was kind of like, why'd you go in the military? And the military, I stayed for 20 plus years, gave me some of the skills that I use today and that I'm, you know, imparting the knowledge onto the CSOs of, you know, know what you're going to do, say what, say your next steps, hit your goals, right? Circle back, do an after action, like how to go. And I think that a lot of what, the veteran programs are highlighting now is that a lot of those parallel skills that were not necessarily talked about before are really helping in the civilian sector that you come out of the service mm-hmm. and you maybe you've already had your technical skills because you learned on the job. So apprenticeship is another option that I think if we kind of come together as, you know, Arizona, right, backing with the Arizona Technology Council of really talking about how do we get companies, A, to open their doors, mm-hmm. B, think about internships and apprenticeships to get students and other people that are looking for job, the opportunity to get hands-on experience. You know, I liked it. Or, wow, that is not for me. Mm-hmm. What else is out there? And really showcasing, we have so many advanced manufacturing opportunities in Arizona. Like, if you could think about other partnerships you already have, what are two other companies that you're already working with in the advanced manufacturing pipeline? I know we have the coalition started. We have people talking all the time. What? Who are two of them that you're well, already talking I'll just say that um, in Arizona alone, Boeing has over 300 um, suppliers. So wow. there's, <laughs> you think about that, just the supply yeah. chain. Yep. Um, because most companies don't create things in a vacuum, right? right. We rely on other mm-hmm. companies to build parts and pieces. 
Yeah, we, we talk a lot about supply chain. I think it's something that, that kids need to also be aware of is where supply, the idea of supply chain is somebody's digging the, the metal out of the ground. And until it turns into a helicopter, there's like right. 30 other people that touch it <laughs> mm-hmm. in that chain, right? And, and there's, there's a way to contribute uh, advanced manufacturing or not every step of the way. Every, every time value is added to that product. Um, there's a way to contribute from a from a STEM standpoint, and so the the doors are really open. I I think uh, you know Raytheon down in Tucson has got more openings than than not right now. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're desperate for people across the spectrum. Um, Honeywell, of course, my old employer is is a great place to go. But everything in between, we haven't really talked. We we're sticking talking a lot about aerospace because that's my background and, and where you work. But medical devices, you know, mm-hmm. um, BD, which I think stands for. Benson, maybe, I can't remember, but they they just they just bought a couple companies and consolidated them in that beautiful building right there on Tempe Town Lake. Um, there's a lot of medical device design and, and manufacturing done here in the state. Uh, a lot of people don't know that. Uh, there's a lot of uh, electronics. The cell phone was invented pretty much and perfected pretty much here in Arizona by Motorola. Most people don't realize that. So the satellite communication perfected and, and, and created here in Arizona. So there's so many opportunities outside of even aerospace where you can uh, really make a contribution. It's, it's pretty, so, we're, we're lucky here. Expanding past just schools and education, how do you think uh, manufacturing companies can partner with public places to increase awareness? Because I know that in a lot of uh, public libraries, they're starting to have uh, 3D printers mm-hmm. that are open to the public. So can you elaborate on some other ways to, to kind of increase that awareness. We love the idea of community Mm -hmm. hub too, right? Mm -hmm. Not only is that school a trusted place in the community, but the public library, we really would like to open the doors after school's out and after work and get people mm-hmm. interacting with the new opportunity. I, you and I were at Caillou at the Think Spot. Yeah, ribbon Mesa, cutting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there, it was a really cool opportunity to see what they're trying to open the doors, get people back in, not necessarily just in the stacks, but in the safe space of the library. Mm. Yeah, that's an interesting thought. I know a lot of libraries here in the state actually do a lot of the STEM mm-hmm. activities for students. Yeah, I th- you know, as as technology changes, the role of libraries needs to change. Mm-hmm. Um, and I never thought about it before. That's a great idea. Um, I think it's going to require um, someone like the SciTech Institute to coordinate that. <laughs> and um, we're in. <laughs> so, so looking at it as a small or medium-sized business owner, um, I can't just say I'm going to go contribute to the library. Right? right. It's it's just that that's a hill too high for me to climb. But if you make it easy for me to do that and maybe have a program for me to send engineers to mentor or donate some of my old equipment or help develop curriculum. I'm jotting I mean, all of these yeah, things down. By, by, by <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not committing. but uh, <laughs> I'll send Jeremy. He's hard to say no to. <laughs> I can't say no to. Jer- Jeremy is one of the the, the best at, at uh, somehow by the end of the meeting, you've agreed to everything he came in asking for. He's very good at it. You don't really realize it. But um, I think that's it is, is to create that um, really having the people with the vision create an easy way for companies so that it's not a difficult. We've got a lot of things on our plate, and as much as we love to do this stuff, right. there's like 30 other things, and we're going to do the easy one. So the more mm-hmm. easy and you make it, the more likelihood um, it's going to happen. And I think that's one of the successes, the reason why the CSO program has been so successful. Yeah. Thank is you. you make it <laughs> you make it really easy to contribute, right? And I think that's that would be a great connection to make with the CSOs because I mm-hmm. know – I know, a couple, I know personally a couple of CSOs who, for their action plans, have been doing demonstrations at the library, 
and different things like that. Mm-hmm. So incorporating that into the the curriculum that they've been using would be really powerful. And and remember I mentioned earlier about how you know maybe your role is marketing, right? So right. getting people to you you can have that and put it on the internet, but nobody shows up, right? So bring kids in that are interested more in the marketing side of things and get them to market it as well. And I think there's a lot of opportunities there. It's a, it's an interesting idea to change the role of the library to be that community hub. Yeah, we're really, we're investigating it quite a bit. We've been talking with um, the state librarian and their impact with NSF grants as well. And, mm-hmm. you know, really looking at how we could stretch that community dollar because we don't want to all fight for the same, you know, Boeing grant. We want to work together and mm-hmm. building that partnership and saying, well, how is Boeing helping our whole community and really building it around that space of let's all work together, right? Mm-hmm. I think Kai and I talk about it all the time. We need to just be on the same team and I get it. I'm the pitcher. He's playing third base. We need the rest of our, our role players. And um, it's important that to, for you to know that we appreciate you being here because you really are an important part of our, our ecosystem and we're building it. So, um, yeah, I think that's awesome. I was reading earlier four steps to build effective community partners, right? And they're, they're very specific about connecting with leaders to promote engagement. So that's what we're doing right now. You two are incredible leaders in the communities, you're already making an impact. So what would you, again, back to that, what would you challenge another community, medium-sized, small, or huge like Boeing, to really think about as they're listening to this podcast? What would you encourage them to do? And then Caillou, right? Those graduate, those students that have now graduated, how do they give back to their community? Because you're, we thought you were at Carnegie Mellon and you flew home and now you're (laughs) in the studio. Or Chalet, right? Even you thinking about now you're a freshman at McClintock. How do you still give back to your Connolly Middle School? Like, what do you, what would you say? Let's start with you, Eric. What would you say to another business owner? I mean, it's such a variable thing depending on what, I I think you have to commit to it, of course, is really important and that it's going to be a priority. Um, I think that's a lot of it. It's not something to just kind of do every once in a while when I have time to just kind of make it. Uh, you know, we early on decided that our our community investment was going to be in STEM. Uh, it's a little selfish because we want more employees. I think that's okay, though. <laughs> but it's yeah. okay. Um, and, and so we decided that's where we're going to donate money, time, and effort um, uh, early on in our company. And so, you know, if that's going to be your thing, make it your thing. Um, and and put some money behind it. I think that that's the other thing that a lot of companies do is they say, okay, I want to help. Anybody want to volunteer? And that's the extent of it, right? Right. You got to put a little bit of money in there. You got to give them a charge number maybe so they can spend some time on it. I think you guys do that, right? There's a community charge number that you guys can use. Uh, we don't have that. We just tell them to go. But <laughs> we, we rely on our employees to volunteer as yeah. well. Um, and I think that's probably one thing that I would recommend is what is it that your employees are interested mm-hmm. in, right? Yeah. So if you find what they're interested in, it's going to be a lot easier to activate and get out and, and, and do things. Mm-hmm. So like I mentioned, FIRST Robotics, for example. And so to me, it's taking a look inwards first. You know, where are they interested? What are the things that they like to do and, and help them get there? You know, we can't go into every single school in the mm-hmm. state. We can't even go into every single school in, you know, greater Phoenix. But what we can do is provide um, uh, information and kits and, um, you know, matching uh, grants for employees' volunteer hours um, if they go out into the places that they want to volunteer and engage in the schools that they're in. So we try to really use the 
the, the power of our workforce. Yeah. <laughs> I think um, you, you hit the nail on the head, even though you mentioned, you know, the kits. They're very specific and it's nice, right? You feel like you've arrived, you're going to do these three things and you put it back in the kit and then you're done. I think that's making it easy for the volunteers because we've experienced that the, the more um, set up for success you provide a volunteer, the more likely they're going to volunteer again. Mm-hmm. So I think that's important. And I, and I think my experience with um, employees and even myself going out to to talk to students is, one, sharing your personal story, because that's what they're going to yep. connect with the most, yep. right? Um, I mean, yeah, absolutely. You can talk about the company that you work at and all the cool stuff that it does. But what kids really connect with is, what did you do to get to where you are today? And then also a hands-on activity. We right. have these um, VR uh, headsets that we take out, um, I think, probably even at uh, some CSO events. Absolutely. Um, the Mars Rover experience. And, you know, I will say anybody from kindergartners on up through um, adults have enjoyed those. So making it um, interesting um, and something that they can connect to as well. Yeah, I'm, I would went to a simulation event where they could land the helicopter or land. I think it was Lockheed Martin, actually, Mm -hmm. who had those different simulators that people really enjoy those opportunities to feel like they're in the experience. I agree. Um, So I just want to reemphasize mentorship just because I think it's so important. I know we've talked a lot about it today. Um, but, you know, truly seeing, you know, first, you know, like you said, Leanne, the, um, the story of like how they got to where they are today, you know, seeing that, you know, oh my goodness, that could be me kind of moment. Um, I think it's really powerful. But then also, you know, seeing an adult that, you know, believes in you, I think is incredibly important mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I've had, a, I've had a lot of mentors in my life, but, you know, one of the greatest ones, she always told me, you know, take the initiative. You know, I'm lucky enough to have her here in the room today. Aww. Aww. <laughs> you know, being in the CSO program, you know, I'm definitely a different person than when I started the CSO program than when I left. And, you know, Kelly Green's a big part of that. So shout out. Thank for that. you, Caillou. <laughs> I, sh- I want to add to that as well. I, when I started the program, I was an introvert. I uh, didn't really enjoy networking, talking with people. And having Kelly as that role model, as a strong, confident female, uh, really helped me. Uh, you know, blossom and uh, become an extrovert and enjoy networking and host a radio show. With yeah, you guys exactly. gonna make me cry. Good thing it's a radio show. Goodness. <laughs> so, so I would say, you know, to the two of you, um, you know, think about that as your career unfolds. Think about mm-hmm. the number of students um, or, or people in your workforce that you can impact. I think that's super important. That's something for me. Um, I also was really shy when I first started mm-hmm. my job right out of college and. You know, just reaching out, asking for help, making those connections. It's really important. So think about that, you know, who you can impact as you move forward. Absolutely. I'll I'll pile on on the praise for the CSO (laughs) program here uh, because it deserves it. Uh, I was at the uh, Science Center doing some judging for one of the programs they do with Title I schools. And uh, it was kind of like a fake pitch competition, right? They're pitching their ideas and concepts. And I could tell the CSO kids. Mm. There probably about a third of them had been to the CSO program. And regardless of the age, they were junior high or high school, they were confident, they were articulate, and most importantly, something you mentioned, they weren't afraid to ask mm-hmm. for right. something, right? Ask for my assistance, ask for my help, ask for my opinion. And so um, it's it's it shows. It definitely mm-hmm. shows. Thank you. Yeah, I've so. talked to several other people who are like, oh yeah, those I can tell those are the CSOs. <laughs> so <laughs> that's incredible. Great job. Great <laughs> I mean, I wish yeah. I would have had that, this program Same. when I was a student um, mm-hmm. in high school. I just think about, you know, the opportunities that you get from being here to, you know, Chalet um, moderating our panel mm-hmm. last year. Um, those are just great experiences that I will say even employees in the workforce aren't always getting. Mm-hmm. 
And that's one of my favorite things about being leadership in the CSO program is that I've been lucky enough to train a lot of CSOs. And just to see that transformation over a couple of days from being, you know, again, shy, not really like wanting to participate at the beginning to everyone raising their hand and asking questions and being super involved is, it's a really cool transformation to see. And something that's really special that I've been able to experience is actually, um, so at Conley Middle School, going back to, to the topic of giving back to them, I my brother was actually uh, elected to be the CSO, one of the four CSOs they have uh, after I left. And so it's really, it's been a really special experience being able to, to mentor him and uh, the four other, the four CSOs at Conley and just see how much they've already made the program grow uh, and being able to train them, knowing that they are going to go back to that community and make a really significant impact has been really powerful for me personally. And just to think about like the ripple effect, like, you know, Chalet and every single CSO they gets to have, I mean, you know, we're just, you know, sixth or 12th graders. I mean, that's truly incredible that really anyone can be a mentor, anyone can make a difference. And the ripple effect, you know, in Chalet's, you know, mentoring maybe one student and then that student mentors someone that, you know, it's going to continue for generations. And, you know, that's something great that um, the CSO program is providing for Arizona um, for, you know, our community. And kind of going back to the to the question about, you know, what can companies do? Pile on that as well. I mean, th- what you guys are doing with the CSO program is what what you talked about, what engineers and 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 uh, manufacturing people and shop floor people can do is if you spend a half an hour with a group of kids just once, you're going to change a life. And Absolutely. it's not that big of an investment. You know, it's just uh, oftentimes they give you free sandwiches. So, um, <laughs> you know, just 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 make that commitment. It doesn't have. I think people think it's going to be a big commitment. It's not a big commitment. It's just. Um, you know, I just love sending my engineers to some of the events you guys put on, and they always come back positive. And they may only do it once, right. but they 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 touch somebody in that audience. So it's it's well worth it. The nice part about for me, right? So I'll flip it back to you guys. Is the opportunity for growth that I have mm-hmm. to actually empower the students and then have, you know, not just to hear it, but I appreciate you saying those things, but also to watch it and to be able to inspire with, you know, something inside of them and then to introduce them to other adults who think they're incredible. And you've only had three minutes with them and I've watched them grow over three three years now. Mm-hmm. And knowing that we all have that ability to impact other people's lives. And that's why these community partnerships are so important because it is about you, Eric, right? You represent PADT, mm-hmm. but we like Eric and we really like that you know Jeremy. And same with you, Leanne. Like, even though you're transitioned from different roles in the community, you're still involved. And that is what makes it powerful and strengthening those relationships that are already formed and as we develop the program you've seen some probably some specific changes but the growth is there and the commitment to the students the commitment to the mentors who share their time the companies that are investing their money is pretty powerful and i i appreciate that so from SciTech institute i want to say thank you so we're about down to that final minute so let's go around the room any final thoughts you want to share with our listeners skyu if you have the ability, you know, you have the time, you know, put in time into the community. Each of those relationships that you cultivate, whether it be with a student, whether it be with another person, um, you know, that's in the workforce, wh- whoever it may be, you know, you can really change their life. And I think it's really exciting. Um, you know, I was lucky enough to have an internship at the SciTech Institute. And one of the things I got to study was advanced manufacturing. And there's over like 100,000 ma- advanced manufacturing jobs available in Arizona. Um, 
just imagine, you know, if we can get people, you know, filled into those roles, what it would do for our community, you know, our economy, you know, ultimately, you know, the entire United States. It's really exciting. Um, so, you know, just follow your dreams and take the initiative. So to our listeners, again, we want to encourage you to get involved in the STEM community. Maybe you're an industry professional seeking ways to make an impact, a student searching for a mentor or community collaborator, hoping to meet the right people to make it happen. Find out how you can get connected. So Leanne, what's one way they can get in touch with you? Well, I am on LinkedIn, so I think that would be the, probably the easiest thing other than I think my information's in the bio. It will uh, be in the bio, yeah. yeah. So yeah, definitely. Like I said, we really like to activate our employees and, and enable them to get out in the community. Uh, we have STEM Signing Day coming up, um, so they can find that on the SciTech Institute website. So we'd love to see um, students, um, even you know, people who are listening to this, maybe if you know a high school senior that's considering a STEM career, absolutely encourage them to apply and we'd love to see them there. Absolutely. What about you, Eric? And the best way to get hold of me is my email, eric.eric.miller at padtinc.com. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn as well, but there's a lot of Eric Millers on LinkedIn. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, reach out. Uh, email is the best way to get hold of me. And uh, also, we were going to do our open house for the SciTech Festival, but we uh, held it off because of the coronavirus thing because we didn't want uh, 100 kids touching the same 3D printed objects over and over again. So, um, germs. Yeah, germs everywhere. <laughs> Probably. So even though the SciTech Festival may be winding down, we're going to bring it back in the summer. So uh, watch watch our website and uh, or subscribe to our newsletter, our monthly newsletter, and we'll definitely invite everybody that subscribes to that event again. And that's a great way to see what we do. But uh, you know, if you're a listener and you're involved uh, uh, with your company and want to know more, please do reach out and love to to talk more about how to how it worked for us and how to make it easy and and um, how to, how to make a difference. Yeah, I think maybe we'll make a list of you know Eric's top ten tips <laughs> to make to make a successful event. And- before we close, I just want to make sure that all of the listeners realize the positive impact that community partnerships really have. Uh, as Eric said, it really does help you uh, the businesses build that pipeline uh, for their for their future workforce. And I can attest to the impact uh, for the students as well. It uh, is really important and has been really impactful for me to to be able to tour different facilities and to talk to different STEM professionals because uh, it has just really helped me realize what I want to do in the future and has helped me develop some skills that uh, are going to be vital to my future career. I love the story of Chalet wants to be an astrophysicist and work at NASA. So guess where I took her? NASA NASA headquarters. Twice. (laughs) We got to meet the chief scientist. That's probably why she is nice to me. (laughs) That's perfect. She just said, it's so surreal we're here. I'm thinking, I'm so happy I could help that happen. (laughs) So, well, thank you for joining us for this episode of STEM Unplugged, Exploring Community Partnerships. We appreciate Caillou, Leanne, Eric, and my co-host, Chalet, for being on our show. If you'd like more information, contact us at scitechinstitute.org. This is your host, Kelly Green, and we would be glad to discuss how you can get connected. (laughs) 